We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you for another 45 minutes, taking you up to Cubs baseball. This hour on the score is brought to you by Horwitz and Horwitz, Illinois' top personal injury lawyers. Did you see how the Dodgers uh, finished the ninth inning last night, Joe? I don't know if you saw that. Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger uh, bunting in the ninth inning. The ninth inning. Dave said it was a take sign? Yeah, just uh, try to get the... Tying under the plate there just didn't execute. Appropriate decision at that time. I mean, had the take sign, knew a fastball was coming, done it so many times before, so I thought it was going to be an easy bunt, just didn't execute. And yeah, it's just bad, bad luck. And if I could do it again, I wouldn't, you know. But um, at that moment, I thought it was a good play. Knew a heater was coming, and those were the easiest pitches to bunt. That was kind of strange, you know. Cody Bellinger's had a rough, odd couple weeks. Couple weeks, month. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, well, there's been a lot of strange. There's been a lot of strange as it applies to the Los Angeles Dodgers. But some years are like that. Some years you start off bad. You start off with a lot of injuries, and it just never stops. You continue with the bad, and you continue with the injuries. I wonder if that's what's going to happen with the L.A. Dodgers this year. Let's find out. Right now, I'll go out to the SCORE hotline where we're joined by Ned Coletti, the former L.A. Dodgers general manager, now an analyst on the Dodgers network, works as well for the MLB on TuneIn Streaming Radio. He also just wrote a book called The Big Chair. He's teaching at Pepperdine. You can even follow him on Twitter at RealNedColetti. Good morning, Ned. You must be bored in your retirement. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing, guys? We're, we're doing good. Do you have enough going on right now? Would you say? Yeah, I do. I do. It's uh, it's been good. I may start another uh, writing project here soon. Uh, I had about six free hours the other day, and decided I'd jam them up with something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> why waste any time? I see. I see. Uh, Sound like my wife with my life. <laughs> I see a movie, Ned. I see. A, I see a screenplay coming. Maybe. Oh. A, maybe a movie of your life. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not sure who would be interested besides me, and uh, I'm only half interested. <laughs> so, but we'll see. You guys been good back there? Everything's good in Chicago except for the weather. Tell us about uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was just saying, Ned, that sometimes, and you've seen it, you've been part of it, whether here in Chicago or San Francisco, L.A., whatever it may be. You've seen years where you start off bad and you start off with injuries. Danny Jackson, uh, early in 91, ripping his groin, was never the same after that. And it started a chain reaction to things that never ended, and everyone ended up getting fired. Um, not suggesting that's going to happen, but you've seen bad years start bad, and it just never turns around. Does it feel like that right now in L.A.? Not necessarily. I mean, this team won 104 games last year, and they, they are saddled with some key injuries. They've lost Seager for the year with Tommy John surgery. Um, Clayton Kershaw be out for some period of time with biceps tendonitis. 
And uh, Hunjin Ryu, who was really one of their better pitches the first month, he's out with a, grain, a groin issue probably till the All-Star break. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the 85 Cubs, mm. uh, which I was a part of. Uh, people recall they went to the LCS against San Diego, came within a few outs of making the World Series trip, and the next year were so besieged by injuries, especially to the starting rotation, starting with Rick Sutcliffe, who got hurt in May, and uh, really didn't recover much as the season wore on. And I think Scotty Sanderson, maybe Eckersley, Steve Trout, Dick Ruthven, that, that collection of starters, almost all of them had something at some point in time. That Five guys in. on the DL at one time yeah. after, after the team was in first place in uh, the middle of June. Yeah, so you know it, it has that feel to it a little bit, although that was so extreme back in 85. And um, I, I think this team, you know, they – you play five straight. It kind of reminds me of the Hawks, too, a little bit, to change sports. The Hawks played so many postseason games for such a long time that Taze, Kane, um, the defense group, Crawford, they, they had a lot of different, they had a lot more miles on them than anybody else. Uh, and I think this team, five years of the postseason in a row, long time, had a lot of a lot of miles on them, and I think that they were very judicious in the off season and in spring training, giving guys an extra chance to catch their breath and rest a little bit. So I think some of the start is due to really not not pushing it a hundred miles an hour back in the camp. But I still think they're going to have a chance. I'm not convinced that uh, Arizona's bullpen, Colorado's got some young pitching. I think if you look at the NL West the last couple of day, weeks, eh, last couple of days, let's say last week. They've all lost a bunch of games. So I think it's going to be even as time goes on. And the surprises seem to be in the National League with the AL playing a little bit to form early on. Uh, what have been the biggest surprises, positive or negative, for you so far? Um, well, I think the, uh, the the positives, I think when you look at, at the play of, of Chase Utley, even at, at his age, he's played really well. He is such a good player, even at this age. And people were curious if they were going to resign or not, if he was too old, if the second half last year had taken its toll. But uh, but he's played well. He's he's such a leader and such a key guy on this club. I think uh, Ryu was also somebody, until he got hurt, uh, had been a big surprise. I think when you look at the, at the other side of it, um, the guys that have struggled, Yasiel Puig struggled. Um, Austin Barnes, who really took the job of Yasmani Grandal, the last six weeks of the season and into the postseason, he has struggled, although he did have a, a pretty good game, a couple hits last night. So you've got a combination of different things going on, on in this organization, in this club. Some some that are just hurt and, and some that are, are in the process of, of really finishing off. Maybe they're two weeks into their season because of the spring that they had. So it's a lot of different things. But you saw last year, too, with the Cubs. It took them a while to get on track. Mm-hmm. Chase Utley's really from a different era, isn't he, Ned? Oh, you know what? He's he's such a smart player, Barry. He um, people say, well, he does the little things. You know, to me as a GM, there were never any little things. Everything had had great value to it. Secondary leads, uh, reading a pitcher's uh, tendencies, uh, all these different things. You you watch him watch a game. He is riveted to the game itself, and he plays hard. The team's base running when he was acquired. I think three seasons ago now in mid-season, suddenly the team's base running just improved across the board. He's not a burner. He's not going to steal 10 bases, but he knows how to play. 
and it's, he's a, he's a pleasure to watch. I kind of kind of gauge players by how much I hated watching him play against the team I was with, <laughs> and then you know because he was one of the all-time Dodger killers, and now he's a Dodger, and you know you're grateful that that you get the chance to see him play every day. Had a remarkable impact on Corey Seager, especially the first year year plus of, of Seager's major league career. Ned, we've been with uh, Cubs Sox going on this weekend. We've been hearing from a lot of White Sox fans that are getting a little frustrated uh, in year two of, of their rebuild, tank, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what do you think when you see the number of teams that are right now on pace to lose 100 games? What, what does that say to you about the state of baseball? It's, uh, it's striking to me. And, um, you know, I, I could never, you know, I worked for the Cubs for a long time, down in some. some you know, some difficult periods of time. And I could never see us doing that. You know, I'm not sure who tanks, who doesn't legitimately tanks, but it's, it's a, um, it's a foreign feeling to me to not compete or to compete with like the reins held back. I think that at some point in time, ownership probably looked, and this is just a guess, and it's not specific to, to Chicago or any other place specifically. I think owners looked and they asked, and you know, how many games are we going to win if we're at 120 million payroll? And maybe the answer was, yeah, we may win 75, we may win 80, we may break even, win 81. Well, how many are we going to win if we're down at 50? And if we trade all the veterans and trade all the guys making a nice salary, and we go with youth and we rebuild it, well, we may win 65. So for 10 games, we're going to pay 70 million dollars and not make the playoffs. You know what? Let's go to 50. Let's go to 60. And we'll save some money, and we'll put that away for later. And in the meantime, we'll sell off the assets that are veterans, and we'll build. We'll build with youth. And you know, you got some good examples that have done it. Houston was one. The Cubs, in, in some way, did it. I think the three, the three most losingest years that franchise has had came right before, a couple years before the World Series. So. It's a it's a different way of looking at things. The payrolls are so huge. Teams, I think, just say, hey, you know what? For half the money, we may win 10 fewer games. So what are we doing? And I, I don't think that's necessarily healthy, but I think it's a, it's a method that, that is, it proves successful in some groups. But it's all in because if you're not successful with it, you've really taken a chance with your fan base. Because I think I'm not a marketing wizard, but I think the toughest fan – to get to your, your stadium or to your event or to your movie or to your show is the one you lost. Trying to get them back is not an easy job. He's former Dodgers general manager Ned Coletti visiting with us on Hit and Run on the Score. How's Cody Bellinger holding up, Ned? Is he is he going through a lot of sort of the traditional second-year stuff right now? I think so. Uh, he's really a, a smart player, and I think right now the game has gotten a touch fast for him. Last night, uh, Cincinnati comes back. Cincinnati came in as the worst team in the National League. Has beaten the Dodgers now three straight. Uh, had a lead in the ninth inning, and Cody Bellinger on a three and zero count gets the take sign from Dave Roberts. Misreads it as the bunt sign, and we're down by a couple of runs. And bunts the ball back to the pitcher on a three and zero count. Uh, caused a lot of raised eyebrows in L.A. and in that dugout. I think that he's he's going through an adjustment period. I think everybody does it. I think expectation sometimes is a very heavy weight to carry around. 
talking about a kid that hit 39 home runs in the regular season last year, National League record, and didn't even make it to the big leagues till the 25th of April. So I think that there is a, a different type of expectation attached to the coding now, especially with Seager out, especially with the pitching staff a, a little bit banged up with Ryu and, and Kershaw. So I, I do think it is. I think you go back to the World Series, and Houston did take it to him a little bit. Yep. They pitched him differently, and I think when when you see yourself get exposed for a minute, especially after having a very successful year, kind of takes you a little bit, and it, and it takes you some time to readjust, to to reset yourself, and to get back to to being as good as you can be. I think he's going to be a very very good player, if not an exceptional player. But everybody's going to go through a growing pain and a stage of adjustment. It's just the way that the game goes. The greatest hitters in the game, they're the greatest hitters because their adjustments came rapidly. A guy like the late Tony Quinn always could adjust, almost pitch to pitch. Not everybody's built like that, but but Bellinger is an adjustable guy who can think about what he's doing as long as he can keep the game slow. I'm sure you saw the uh, Joey Gallo shift the other day. When they, yes. There were eight guys on the right side of the field. Do you think baseball should look at um, considering going to a rule where you have two players to at least to one side of the field? Uh, I think it's an interesting discussion. You know, being on and as, as a GM, you, you sit in GM meetings in the month of November, and you go over a variety of different rules that, of course, have to go to the players' association and have a a long path to being approved. I think it's an interesting dynamic. I think, and it's easier. It's easy for me to say because uh, I, I don't play it. But you know, if Gallo just happens to go to left field, uh, they're not going to continue to do that. You know, it's really it's really based on a performance that has been predictable. If the performance can become a little bit unpredictable, then you're going to have fewer and fewer shifts. But easier said than done. You know, I remember, and Barry knows Lou Boudreau as well, who I think was the first person who used a shift against, and he was a manager at Cleveland. He's from suburban Chicago, Hall of Famer a cub broadcaster for a number of years, told me that they were going into Boston when he was managing Cleveland, and they, they wrote on a cocktail napkin, hey, let's play Ted Williams all on the right side. We'll leave the shortstop on at his position, and we'll leave the left fielder at his position, and let's move everybody over. It was the first time. And I says, and what did Ted Williams do? He said he just tried to hit the ball through the shift. <laughs> he looked at me like he wanted to come out there and, and tell me something, not printable, but you know, he refused to go the other way with it. So I think if you if, if hitters can adjust the other way, I think the shift becomes more of a gamble than a predictable result. How do you think the Dodgers operate from this point forward, Ned? Do they just have to sit and wait for some of these guys to get healthy before they can sort of determine what their plan will be for July? I think so. I think uh, and talking to Andrew Friedman just the other day, and I said, because I've been here, you know, I've been in a spot where yep. you have a lot of injuries early in the year, and so you're trying to really gauge your club and trying to evaluate your team, and it's tough to do because you have uh, guys that are not typically everyday players playing close to every day, and your everyday team, the team that won 104 games last year, are out, a lot of them. And I think that that it takes you time to, to figure out if you're going to get your guys back, how long it's going to take to get them back, and then what does your team look when when you have most of your team out there? This team is, is lost. They still don't have it all back. Three-quarters of their infield. Take away three-quarters of the Cubs infield. 
be tough to win a lot of games. Take away the right fielder. Puig was out for a while. So at one point in time, you've got half of your everyday players that are out. That, that's tough to get through. You've got to get them back to really evaluate where you're at. You're not going to get Seager back this year, but hopefully you're going to get Forsythe back, the second baseman this week, and probably Justin Turner, one of their key guys in the middle of the lineup, the great third baseman. He should be back this week. So you've got to get those back to kind of really evaluate. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold on the, on the rest of the West either, as I said. They're, they're, they're good teams, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if they are, if they are built to sustain themselves for six months plus. You're really close with Brian Sabian. Were you surprised by their winter, or is that sort of what you were talking about before, this desire to try to win every year, even though it may not look like you have much of a chance? Oh, I wasn't surprised because that's really, you know, Brian and I kind of grew up in the game together and worked together for 11 years, and and um, you know, I wasn't surprised by it. You get McCutcheon, you get Longoria, you get Jackson. Uh, you're trying to win. They lost 98 games last year, kind of an aberration in a lot of ways, but you know, it's in the book. That's what happened. And I think that they feel they need to compete. They have a beautiful stadium there that they've, they've done tremendous with. It opened in 2000. And I worked there five years at Candlestick Park. And then the last six at, uh, it was Pac Bell Park then, now AT&T Park. And they transformed that city from a, a 49er city to really a baseball city as much as anything. And you have to keep that. You, you can't sacrifice that. And I think if you go into a total rebuild mode there, and I'm not sure how patient people will be. Whenever you're in California, you've got a million different things to do. You've got hundreds of options. So I think that they're cognizant of the fact that their fan base has been ultra-supportive, that they've built a great baseball team and a great baseball city and a great baseball park, and they need to, to keep it in that in that realm and be able to compete. And you know, they've had a pretty good run. A little bit of a tough week this week, like a lot of teams in the West. But they, they seem to be getting it back together. I don't ever see Brian Sabian saying, hey, we're just tearing it down and starting over. And if we lose 100 games, so what? I'm not sure those words will ever come out of his mouth. What kind of contracts will we be talking about with Harper and Machado? Um, be curious to see. You're talking about two of the, of the better players. It, it all depends on who's playing. Who's playing in that market and how many team, different teams are in it. And what is their what is their payroll typically? This past year was an interesting observation, but you had two of the bigger payroll teams, the Yankees and the Dodgers, that were really on the sidelines and took a and took a breath for this this past off season. Uh, if if teams like that get involved, uh, you're going to see probably a record deal come out of that group. Um, know Scott Boris very well. I know that he's been waiting for this uh, time for quite a while, and uh, you know he's going to. And Barry knows him, you know, very well too. And you know this is this is his this is his stage really coming up, and represents Mr. Harper, a uh, young young free agent. I'm sure we're going to hear that all winter long. <laughs> the, the youth, really, the youth of Bryce Harper. Think about it. How many free agents come out at this age and have the resume that he does? And then of course you've got. I think he represents Chris Bryan after that and Corey mm-hmm. Seager after that and Cody Bellinger after that and a slew of others. So a little bit of a stair-step routine going on here. So it'll be a, it'll be a very interesting winter to watch unfold. You, mi- you miss that, don't you? The opportunity <laughs> to sit down with Scott across the table and, uh, and, and have some fun. You know what? I've, uh, I've known Scott since Greg Maddox had three years of Major League Service, which is quite a while ago. Greg was probably 24, might be 30 years or more than that at this point. 
And we had our moments. I tell you, we had our moments in a lot of ways between Greg and then Barry Bonds when I was in San Francisco and he represented Barry and then Manny Ramirez here. So we've had our moments, but I I do love talking a game with him. He's very, very sharp. And he, he sees the game differently than most player representatives. He is so far ahead in the thought process. And I also owe him a debt of gratitude. I, I teach at Pepperdine University. I teach a class on negotiation and sports and leadership. And he made the drive up to Malibu the, the semester ago. And he left at 4 a.m. and got there at the time for the 8 o'clock class and taught for an hour and a half. So our, our, our relationship is very respectful, although I can tell you that um, – I wish I had some of those negotiations on tape so that I would never have to see him again unless I wanted to. <laughs> I, I always said, Ned, if I had any value in, in any way, shape, or form, I'd want Scott to be my agent. Oh, yeah. But it's not its not a factor at all. Hey, Ned, uh, I could do this all day. I know Joe, lo- Joe loves talking to you, too, but we got to let you go because we're out of time. Okay, uh, we'll, ca- we'll catch up with you again soon. Always a pleasure. All the best. Thanks, Thanks Ned. Ned. That's Ned Coletti, former Dodgers GM, doing so many different things now, including just wrote a book called The Big Chair. I recommend it. Some really good stories in there. Oh, man. Um, yeah. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for those. I could tell you stories about the Maddox negotiations that were extraordinary. And uh, Ned didn't have a lot of power in those conversations. That was sure. mostly Stan Cook and Dennis Homerin, who was a Tribune Company negotiator. Running up the line, yeah. And uh, uh, that was that was some tough stuff. So if was Ned, some... it was his final call, it would be a different. Yeah, nobody wanted. I mean, nobody who really understood the value of a guy at that age, at twenty-four years old, with that sort of experience, with that track record, and what was in front of him. Anyone who understood that didn't want him going anywhere. The negotiation, but it was a Tribune company. It was really a Tribune yeah. company problem, is what it was. Those conversations changed the history of baseball. Just look down the line. Everything that happened after that. We don't have time today, yeah. but I'll tell you again the story of sitting with Maddox in Cincinnati. Um, in it was it was in July as we were going over for the umpteenth time what had taken place the winter before that. Now here he was in July, about to become a free agent in a couple months, and what the Cubs had put him through at that point between Larry Himes and Stan Cook and Dennis Homer and and, and the things that they said to him, <laughs> the the derogatory things they said to him about was never, this radio? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Or th- this is why you're bad. This is why we're not offering more money. Right? Kind you've of never won a Cy tactics. Young. You've never you you know you never made an All Star team. Never wow. made Cy Young. Never won twenty games. And then he went out and did all of those things. Unbelievable. But then Maddox goes out, and we're, we're sitting there until – here I am telling you the story now. We're sitting there until like 6.20 Cincinnati time, and Dick Pohl comes walking in and says, are you going to pitch today? And Maddox is like, oh, yeah, okay. And he stands up, and he looks at me with that Maddox grin, and he goes, good thing I know what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> Like no other pitchers will even yeah. speak to people on days that they start. And we're sitting oh. in the locker room on the floor in the back alone. You can't look at like him. Near the, near the trainer's room. He goes out and th- you can look it up. He goes out and throws, I think, a six-hit shutout in Cincinnati in that ballpark with the humidity and the heat and the, and the launching. He flies thing. out of there, yeah. Uh, we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll get to the White Sox minor league report. We have some tape from Matt Davidson and some other Cubs issues to get to before we're out of here. 
for Cubs baseball at 1245 right here on 670 The Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Oh, I'm sorry. We have no midsize available at the moment. I don't understand. I made a reservation. Do you have my reservation? Yes, we do. Unfortunately, we ran out of cars. But the reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservations. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. If you did, I'd have a car. See, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. my favorite scenes ever because he's left-handed and he's making that motion in the air oh that's true yeah yeah anybody can take the reservation it's the holding i don't think you do i didn't get my uh my pony clip with the old polish next lady week, next about week the pony. eli will get you the old woman with the pony <laughs> that's joe ostrowski i'm barry rosner <laughs> i had a pony Final few minutes of hit and run taking you up to Cubs baseball. Eli, what do you have for us this week in the minor league report? Uh Uh-oh, Kopech. So, yeah, Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease, Joe mentioning that on Friday. Kopech was pretty bad. Three and a third, eight earned runs, five hits, six strikeouts, four walks, just 46 of 87 pitches, four strikes, a 1.32 whip overall, 1.33 whip overall, and a 4.86 ERA overall, two, a three, Point six six xfip. You know who used to say progress is not linear, Eli? Not Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. I say it all the time. Progress is not linear. People didn't like hearing it, but it's just the way it is. People think Michael Kopech's coming up here in July, and he's going to win the Cy Young Award. Yep. I mean, he might be. Maybe he'll be Steven Strasburg. The same people that said over sixty-eight wins is easy money. Because Mancata's here, and Giolito, and Lopez, and more are on the way. Maybe he'll be Steven Strasburg, but it's rare. Usually you come up here, and it's really, really hard. Sorry, Eli. Go ahead. So Dylan Cease also pitched in on Friday. Two innings pitched, eight runs allowed, seven of them earned, nine hits, no strikeouts, two walks, a three six seven ERA, and a three four six XFIP. Eli Jimenez, though, after starting the season 0 for 10, uh, went 0 for 5 last night, so that broke the 15 game hit streak that he had. But a 375 batting average before that over the hit streak, seven home runs and 23 RBI. But this is the more impressive stuff: a 1.138 uh, on base percentage plus slugging, a 375 ISO, which measures power, and then a 210 weighted runs created plus. That was during the streak. Yes. <laughs> Give those three numbers again. He had 11-something OPS. Yeah, 1.138 OPS, a 375 ISO, and a 210 weighted runs created plus. <laughs> that ISO is insane. <laughs> Power is there. And then wow. one last thing beyond the minor league system. I talked with Matt Davidson for a story on 670thescore.com about trying to combat how pitchers are trying to combat launch angles themselves, and here's what he had to say. It's been around forever, right? I mean, usually if you if you swing and miss at a ball, if you're late, you're usually under it, and uh, you know you're dropping the barrel for whatever reason. If you're pulling off the ball, that will drop your barrel as well. There's so many things that go into it, but I don't really necessarily try to lift the ball. You know, sometimes you know you tend to lose that barrel sometimes if for whatever reason, if you're late or if you are trying to hit the ball a little too far or this or that, uh, and just kind of get back to you know hitting a solid ball, like keeping the barrel up. And nowadays, you know, now you have the information of the spin rate. There's like high. Spin rate guys, the pitchers that 
sometimes you'll see Odorizzi is a guy like that who he's throwing 91 like belt high and you're like why are we not hitting that ball you know but his ball doesn't angle down at all it stays up so you know like you kind of have to take that you know the analytics of that now and like okay is this, there's a reason why this guy's throwing 91 at the belt you know usually that would probably get hit pretty hard right but you know, since he has a spin rate, it just it kind of hovers, you know, and then you saw, like, we were swinging and missing foul balls off, and we're like, dude, what is going on? But then that's where you got to kind of make the adjustment of, all right, this guy tonight, I'm going to have to swing almost on, on top of the ball. Wow. Interesting. So there you go. There's a guy starting to adjust already. Mm-hmm. And pitchers will, look, pitchers understand launch angle too, which means they're going to start using the upper part of the strike zone. And then you're going to have to either lay off that or start getting on top of the ball. He was on the score the other day. He had no idea what his launch angle is. <laughs> no idea. It's like, what is it? Tell me. <laughs> so what does that mean? It's been a fascinating week in baseball, Joe. Uh, nothing more interesting than Harold Reynolds winning an Emmy. That's just... <laughs> really? It just that's descri- number one on your that's list. That's number one on my list. It just describes perfectly the bizarro world that we are living in, where nothing makes any sense What about Ichiro not knowing who Tom Brady is? (laughs) Who the... It's Tom Brady! That's fantastic. That was pretty good. Joe, we're out of time. I'm going to take this opportunity to wish my wife a happy Mother's Day. Um, My kids are the best thing that's ever happened in my life, and I am grateful for them and grateful to my wife for uh, being such a great mom. So uh, happy Mother's Day to my wife. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Time for thank yous. Eli Hershkovich, great job producing today. Outstanding work. We appreciate that. Kevin Zipak, thanks for the updates. Thanks to our guests, Bruce Levine, Rock Kabodko, and Ned Coletti. We'll get Paul LaDuca on next week. He ran into a conflict today. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for the Cubs pregame show starring Zach Zaidman and featuring Joe Madden, Jim Hickey, Len Casper, and Ron Coomer. Then it's Cubs baseball with Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer right here on the radio home of the Chicago Cubs. It's Lucas Giolito and Kyle Hendricks. Have a happy Mother's Day and a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby! I carpool with McGowan to the ballpark in the morning. So long, everybody. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.